Agile Elephants or Agilephants, and welcome to another episode of Agile Bytes, the podcast sponsored by Integrity Inspired Solutions, where we build software in an agile manner day in and day out. Today, I want to talk to you about a common scenario that I get asked about a lot, and it kind of rides a little bit on the coattails of some of the discussions we've had about value streams. And that is, is it ever okay for a work item to move backwards in the workflow? And let me give you the scenario most people bring up. So let's say you've got a work item and it is flowing through your value stream stages. You know, you've gotten the requirements, you've done the design, you've done the coding, and now it's in whatever kind of your pre-deployment testing stage is. And maybe you've got a QA group working on it and the QA group finds defects things that, that need to be fixed on the card. Should the card then move backwards to development? And that's, you know, what a lot of teams do, right? Because now QA has found some bugs, more development work has to be done on the card, and so the card moves backwards to development. And in truth, there are some workflow management tools that make this way of thinking very easy. One of these tools is Jira, for example. A lot of times the workflow stages in Jira are modeled by card statuses. They're in a dropdown, really. And so when you think about what's being done on a card, it's just real easy to flip from QA to development to QA to development or development to testing or whatever. Just You just flip that status back and forth and back and forth to reflect whatever activity is going on. However, teams that do this often run into some issues. So for example, Imagine that you're a developer and you have cards moving through development. You've got cards where the requirements are done or the design is done and you are ready to start work on those cards. So you start working, you get a card done and now it goes into the waiting queue for testing or QA. Well, now you don't have anything to do. Well, on most teams, especially teams where development takes the longest time, it's actually the constraint you're probably gonna pull a new work item to start work on in terms of development. So now you're in the middle of that. Well then QA or, or whoever, whatever, finds the defects in the card that you've done. Well, where's that card gonna go now? Does it go into the done queue for requirements or design? Does it go into a waiting queue for development? Does it go into the doing queue for development? Does it go into the done queue for development? Even though technically it's not done, there's still things you have to do. Where does this card even go? And depending on where you put it, not only is there not always a clear visual indicator of what needs to be done on that card, but a lot of times it can kind of play havoc with your overall whip limits. Now, I do want to say that column whip limits, column-based whip limits are not really where you want to stay as a team. You do want to be moving toward other more system-wide ways of managing your whip. But a lot of teams start out with column-based whip limits, and, and, and that's light years ahead of not having any whip limits at all. So a lot of teams still have column-based whip limits. And if that's the case, you know, QA may put that card back in development, but development has already pulled a new card to work on. So now all of a sudden you have violated your own whip limits. And the thing that QA is testing, because you did it first, is probably a higher priority than the card you just started. So what do you have to do now? Well, you've got to block that card that you just started and start work on these QA defects. And now you've got a block card that's occupying your whip limits. And, and it, it just kind of turns into a mess, especially if this is the kind of thing that happens often. Another issue that we run into 
is flipping cards between stages like this can also really mess up your metrics. You know, one of the things that our metrics depend on, like flow efficiency or Little's Law or, or all different things that we've talked about on this podcast before, a lot of those depend on cards not moving backwards. It's a flow from start to finish. It's not a flow where cards juggle themselves back and forth between multiple states. So this really begins to mess with your metrics. If you've ever moved a card back and forth between two stages, and this is something that happens with some degree of frequency, and you look at, I don't know, say your cumulative flow diagram, it starts to look a little crazy, right? You start having the cumulative flow diagram sometimes even drop, which should be in theory impossible but the bottom will actually cave out of some of these cumulative flow diagrams. And when you're trying to look at things like how long is our cycle time, what's our flow time versus our waiting time, when you start looking at what parts of our system do things take longer in, what parts of the system do cards tend to wait in, when you're trying to make those kinds of analyses so that you can improve your flow, it becomes super difficult if the card is bouncing back and forth between, you know, it's in this state for a few days, it's in this next state for a few days, it goes back to the other state for a few days. This is one reason among many why it's not a great idea to have a blocked column in your flow. There's a whole lot of reasons for that, but at least one of them is it can be very difficult to actually analyze your flow because cards are jumping in and out of the block state all the time. So. Even though we look at this common scenario and it seems like the right thing to do is move the card back to development, I'm going to argue that that's not what you want to do. We sometimes call that a flow back and we really don't want to do those kinds of things. And you can, you can apply this to anything. Let's say a card is being actively developed on and in the middle of development, developers realize there's a question that they have. There's something they need to know and that information is not available on the card. So a business analyst may have to go back and, and get that information. Well, I'm going to argue that you don't want to move the card back to analysis. You want to keep the card in development. And here's why. What is a value stream state like analysis or development or testing or whatever? Well, it's not a role. Okay. Those states that you define on your Kanban board are not roles. Sometimes we think about them that way because the reality is people have specialties and they tend to do the activity that is associated with their specialties. So at any state in our value stream, there's going to be a certain group of people that are probably more active in that state than others. So for example, when a card is in requirements gathering or analysis, whatever you call that, then people like your business analysts are probably going to be the primary actors in that state. When a card is in design, you know, your UI UX people may be the predominant actors in that state. When a card is in development, your coders, and, and when it's in testing, your testers, and so on and so forth. So it's very easy for us to equate those value stream stages with roles, but they're not. They're not even a specific kind of activity, really, even though we tend to name our stages after the activity that is predominantly taking place in those stages. Now, a value stream stage is a stage of transformation that your work item moves through on the way from the time that someone wants it to the time that you actually deliver it. What are the different stages that that item has to move through in order to be refined? Think about it almost like 
stations and a manufacturing plant. You start out with a with an order up front and then you acquire raw materials and those raw materials get reshaped and refined and things get added to them as they move through the stations until eventually they're a deliverable item. Well, it's the same with the work items that we get, whether they're user stories or features or whatever, whatever level you break those work items down to. So the stages are the stages from the work items perspective, right? What state is this work item currently in? But in any given state, you can have multiple roles doing multiple things in that stage. Take, for example, the analysis process, the requirements gathering process. Well, when a card is in that state, developers could be starting out doing some TDD. They could start out doing some documentation. Testers are probably going to start writing their test scripts while requirements are being gathered. You sure don't want to wait till a card gets into testing to write the test scripts. They're going to be writing those things in advance, right? Or when cards are in testing, people who gather requirements like your business analyst, they may have to track down people to ask questions, or they may have to do some prioritization of the bugs. Maybe you find a defect and the users don't really care about it that much. And so you need business analysts to kind of ferret that out. You may have developers fixing bugs while a card is in testing. So think about your stages that way. Just because a card is in a specific stage doesn't mean that only the specialists in that stage are working on it, nor does it mean that is strictly the only activity that's being done. You know, a lot of times, even when we're creating user stories, as soon as that user story is done and we've got the acceptance criteria for it, testers can start writing their test scripts. Even though the card is not in testing yet, people in the testing role are doing activities that are commensurate with the state that the card is in. And so I would put forth to you that if a card is in testing or QA or, or UAT or whatever, and defects are being discovered, then your developers also are working in that downstream state. Development may be the activity that they're doing, but the state the card is in is testing. It's not in development anymore. We, we thought we were done with that, and we are done with that in terms of an intensive focus on development. But now the card is in its testing and refinement stage, and if we want to rename the stage to encompass that, we can. But that's the state the card is in. It's just developers have activities to do on that card. Just so happens that what they're doing is development. And so people who tend to work upstream of testing now come downstream to help out the testers, right? To help with the testing activity. They're now trying to get that card through testing as quickly as possible. And this reflects exactly the priorities that we want the workflow to have. Cards on the right, we need to be thinking about how to get those cards into done. That's the focus, right? How do we get those over the goal line? So all of a sudden, our priorities play out. If a card is stuck in testing because developers need to do work on it, then all eyes are on that, right? And developers need to stop what they're doing over in development, come over to testing, and do what they need to do to move that card through to testing. It also reflects more accurately in our metrics because if we're finding a lot of defects and we have a lot of rework due to defects, where do we want that time to show up? Do we want it to show up in development? Probably not, because if that time shows up in development, all that tells us is that development takes a long time. 
But if that time is showing up in testing, if all of a sudden it's taking days and days and days and days to test a user story, well, now we can start having conversations about that. Why is it that this card was in testing for so long? Well, because they found lots of defects. There was lots of rework involved in that card. We are now capturing that time metrically in the state in which it happens. And then when we start talking about flow improvements, we can focus on that. Why is QA finding so many defects? And that's a very different question than why is development taking so long? So in my opinion, there's not a good reason to move cards backwards most of the time. In our scenario, I would leave it in testing. If you need to create new cards, maybe you find a defect in testing and it can be prioritized differently in order to move the card forward. You can always create new cards. You can always break those things out into new cards. Or if there's some question or issue that needs to be resolved before the card is finished, maybe that's a thing that we can break out into its own card as well. You always have that option, but I would argue that generally speaking, there's never a good reason to move the card backwards. The only exception to that would be is if it never should have been moved forwards to begin with. Sometimes we accidentally pull cards. It's common to think, for instance, if I'm a developer, hey, I have capacity to start a new card and so I pull it only to discover that's not the case. Maybe because I have rework to do in the testing stage, right? But the, the idea is I never should have pulled that card to begin with. Or maybe as a business analyst, I put a card into analysis done because I think I'm done with the requirements. But it turns out that I forgot a lot of acceptance criteria. I prematurely moved it into that column. I did it by accident. In those cases, I might go ahead and, and move the card backwards because they should not be in the next stage to begin with but I don't move cards from stages to stages just to reflect the activity that's going on or just to reflect the role of the people who are doing most of the work on it. Think about your value stream stages as stages from the work items point of view. Where is the work item in terms of its transformation, in terms of its progression, in terms of its journey on the way to production? And that should not change just because different people are working on it or different kinds of activities are happening during that stage. So I hope that answers the question for you. I realize it's kind of a specific question, but I like talking about it because it enables us to talk about what a value stream really is and what it represents and how flow is supposed to go. So the next time you have your card in a downstream stage and somebody upstream needs to do some additional work on it, don't move it backwards, just keep it where it is. Your metrics will thank you for it. The visuals and the prioritization will all be right. And if it ends up adding extra time to that stage, then it provides you the metrics that you need to talk about it in your retrospectives. Thanks everyone for listening to Agile Bytes. Agile does sometimes bite, but we don't think it always has to. If you enjoyed what you heard today, don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you happen to be using. And if you can, leave us a comment because we'd love to hear your feedback. What things would you like to hear about? What things did you hear that were valuable to you today? You can also head over to integrityinspired.com to sign up to our email list. But that's all for today, folks. We'll see you next time.